The following is an original audio series from Sierra International Machinery, Pile of Scrap, with your host, John Sacco. Hello, hello, hello. This is John Sacco, and this is Pile of Scrap. And today, I have the honor and privilege of being in Portland, Oregon, at PNW Metals Recycling, Inc. This is a quite an interesting story, an interesting company, and I have Fuad Daoud, his son, Sean Daoud, and... Hank Doan. And your father's not here. I was hoping he was going to be here. Me too. We'll try to get him out next time. <laughs> well, okay. I like it. Next time. So th- this is an interesting company because of the background and all the different partners and how this company came to be and it came to be a player in the Pacific Northwest. So the first question out is who, who wants to handle the original history? Which one of you want to take it? Dad, do you want to take it? Son? Hank, who, who wants to take it? Um, I'll have Sean. Go ahead. Okay, Sean, Sean, give us a little background here of how PNW came together and all the different families with, that we're dealing with. Well, I mean, all the different families have a lot of history with one, with each other. Um, my dad had uh, st- first started his career at Schnitzer. He met Hank's father, Mick, and they had done a lot of traveling together, different job sites, and created that relationship. So in 2013, when we formed PW Metal Recycling, it had been a two-year process of reviewing information, going through all of the dialogue that we need to get to that point for the for our joint venture operation in Longview. And the goal was to start an export facility, load cargoes. When we were able to do that in 2014 in September, when we loaded our first one, we could see that the cohesion was there and that you know our families get along very well. So for about three years we dated, got to know each other intimately in a sense, and you know, the market had kind of done its fluctuation in 15, 16. It just, it made sense at that point that, you know, we have to bring things together to be more efficient, more effective. And so in April of 2017, we completed our merger between RS Davis Recycling and Rivergate Scrap Metals, and it became PW Metal Recycling, Inc. Okay, so the Boris family is also involved with this. Correct, yes. So George Boris started Rivergate in 2004, and then my father bought in in 2007. And Justin, George's son, had already been working there since the start of the company. I came aboard in 08, shortly after high school, before I started college. And then Bert, George's old, eldest brother, had bought into the business in 2013. And then Hank, his father, had started at RS Davis Recycling in 1975. And his grandfather started it in 1963. There's a lot of history here. Yep. Yes, sir. You have a very interesting start. Well, it, Okay, I'm the son of an immigrant from Italy, and people are very familiar with that. But you are the immigrant from Lebanon. What year did you come to America? In 87. And when did you all of a sudden get thrown into the scrap business that you haven't been able to leave? Well, actually, I I came to the United States to visit because I have a a big family here on my my mom's side, and uh, my uncle talked to me into staying. And uh, actually, I started Schnitzer with Schnitzer when Sean was born. Uh, he was two months old, and uh, I employed at Schnitzer. And they talked him into it to stay in because it was so hard for me to be in that uh, environment. But I stayed. Um, and I uh, worked for Schnitzer for 17 years. And then I decided to leave Schnitzer for the the better for me for better investment 
And I came, talked to George, and we bought in in the company, and we created Rivergate, and we put a shredder. Uh, and that's what we're at today. We have PNW. How many yards are in PMW, Hank? So we have five facilities that operate and buy scrap. We have another transload facility where we'll load rail cars. And where where are all total. these facilities? So we have Portland. We're sitting in Portland. We have Longview where we load our bulk ships. We have Gresham's a feeder yard. Clackamas is a feeder yard. Hermiston's a feeder yard. And then Umatilla is our transload facility. That's that's a lot of operation. It is. And so with... The Boris's, George's son works at the company? Justin, yes. Is, is George involved? Yes. Okay, so is Bert involved as well? Correct. Okay, so your dad and you, your father's involved still. So you got a lot of cap capabilities here, so five yards isn't that dramatic because there's somebody covering someplace at all times, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, some of these yards was existing, so it's not like we, we, we open them up again. So it was, the merger was easier to put together this company. Okay, who said it? Who was the first one to say, let's put these yards together? Because somebody had to say it, so we had to type it in an email. Well, this was the goal from the, when I left Schnitzer is to uh, install a shredder. This is uh, between me and George. He always wanted a shredder. So he talked him into coming in and, and do it together. Uh, and the goal was to have an export yard from the get-go. And it's here. And it's, a it took a work. lot of work. Actually, it gave me a heart attack. You actually had an heart attack? That's right. Yeah, yeah. he did. Right before our first cargo. Uh, <laughs> August, August of 2000. That's not funny, but everybody's chuckling here with a smile. I, well, we who, made it through it. I made it through it, yes, yep. yes. Well, God bless you made it through it. And I think that's, you know, that's, let's put it together. And then you have to bring everybody. you got all these families, okay? You're from Lebanon. The Boris, is, as children, came from the Netherlands. Holland, Netherlands, however it is. So, Actually, the Boris family came from... Uh, uh, Aren't they Dutch? Yeah, they're Dutch. Yeah, yeah Dutch. Yeah, yeah, Netherlands. Yeah, yeah the they, Netherlands. They were immigrant, too. Yeah, so a lot of immigrants here. Now the sons... How you guys get along? How, how was this when, did you guys know each other from years ago or all of a sudden you guys were kind of thrown together when somebody said, when Pops over here says, hey, let's put this together. No, we knew, we knew each other. And yeah. you know, Hank, Justin, Jamie have a few years on me, but so they you know, knew, uh, we knew we of each other growing up. Um, you know, but with our time uh, with the joint venture, even before that, Hank and I spent a lot of time through Isri, through the chapter, and he's the one that got me involved with also a Jim Ducart and I mean, but even today, I, I see Hank as an older brother. I mean, it's great advice that he gives, good leadership with everybody else. And same thing with Justin and Jamie. The, the three of them have a lot of experience, and so I still see them as siblings, people I can look to and, and take advice from the experience that they've had. And, and it's, we do family things together, hang out together. So when, when, when they came to you, your father, everybody said, okay, we're going to put this together. What was your thought? Was it like my pie shrinking or... I think I'm going to get a bigger piece of the pie because this thing's going to grow. Yeah, that's how we thought about it. We actually had just finished developing our Clackamas yard from three to nine acres. We had just kind of closed the book on that, and I thought, all right, another project right away <laughs> when he approached my dad. And then we sat down, went to lunch, and said, you know, I think that's the right move. And that's exactly how we thought about it. You know, it's a bigger piece of the pie. Sure, there's some risk to get there, but there's also risk if we don't do anything. 
right. because of the way the market was shifting on us. Well, in Portland, you kind of have the David versus Goliath because there's Schnitzer here, there's Metro. Very large companies, mm -hmm. well, Schnitzer publicly held, and here you guys now are battling against them and you're succeeding. So what's setting you guys apart? What makes you guys so different that allows this growth? And, and I'm here today and I'm touring this facility and it's absolutely the state of the art. You guys are putting your money where it needs to be, but what's setting you apart? What makes you different from these companies? Who wants to handle that? Well, it's Dad, not, you want to handle it? It's this? not about competition, it's, it's what you need to do for your business. I mean, just, uh, just focus on day-to-day -day things uh, has to be done and then plan on the future. Um, this is how we do it every day. We, you know, Metro or Schnitzer, they're gonna be there forever. I mean, we're gonna compete with them for many years. Um, but we have to do on our side is to be more uh, operation-wise, productive every day, make sure our, all our equipment running, producing daily. Um, and as I told you before, is the word pipe. Uh, we we focus on that. Um, the purchase, intake, production, uh, expense, sales, and sales. We focus on that every single day, and plus with the new generation coming up, taking it to different level, um, so they keep us awake every night. <laughs> Well, you don't have so, much gray hair. Your son hasn't really I, drugged you through the two baths. It's all gone. I gave some of it to him. It's all come my way. Are you getting it already? <laughs> so, Hank, you, you know, in talking before this, you, you, you kind of were passionate about what's setting you apart here. Sure. What is, what is your method here? What, what's, making, what's successful for you personally and it's helping the company? I think what sets us apart comes down to our people. And you mentioned it before, our ownership group is we're active owners, so we're in the business every day with our hands on every aspect of it, coaching, helping our people do the right thing. We think of them as family as well. So we're three families running the company. We think of our employees as the, as the family as well, and our customers as the extended family. And then secondly, I think being nimble. You know, we can make decisions very quickly, whereas some other companies that you mentioned, because of the size and the bureaucracy that goes yep. with it, it's difficult to do that. So, you told me you operated the shear here in the yard. It's a Sierra shear, full disclosure, you are a Sierra customer. I always tell people in podcasts whether they are or not. What was your favorite job, though, We should Sean? have a free blades. Huh? <laughs> free blades. Have a free blades. It's a free blades, okay. <laughs> what, what was your favorite piece of equipment to operate? As, as a kid, you know, you, you, you came in here and you were, what was your favorite piece and what was it that made it so, so that it was something? that you love because my dad never let me operate equipment when I was a kid mm. nope you're not gonna do it he's smart well <laughs> sorry all right that's that's <laughs> fine but what, what was your favorite piece uh we had an uh we still have it uh Bear 924 first piece of equipment I, I material handler that I learned to operate on and the, the 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 fact of that what that machine does it feeds the shear you can feed the shredder unloads the trucks load the trucks pick out stuff from the piles sort whatever it needs to do it that's the go-to machine we have front end loaders, we have forklifts, they're all useful, but the material handler is my favorite piece of machine to operate. And that 924 specifically was my favorite piece and thank God it's still in the, in the fleet what, today. What about you, Hank? You know, I enjoyed running the loaders. So when we bought one of our facilities, we went in and cleaned out a couple acres worth of cars that had been there for 
decades because it was a parts shop and we went in and we crushed that whole side of the yard so I enjoyed you know for however long it took I think it was a week of just going in and solidly running that loader I thought that was a good time what did they make you run in your job over at Schnitzer what what piece of equipment none they, they won't let me touch any any machine uh, actually when I started I was uh, started as a labor on the non-ferrous dock and they just let me stay there they, even forklift they won't let me touch it but six months later I had to get out of the, the union and became uh, uh, assistant non-ferrous buyer because it was a big layoff and they don't want to let me go so they put me in the management they call it and um, and this is how I uh, got into marketing and and worked my where's wor right. He way does up. have a favorite piece of equipment though. When what? we were building the shredder out, we were laying gravel out on the on the, the property. Yeah. And yeah. we bought a rolling machine, so it was vibrate vibrating roller, and he that's the machine that he would run. Only him. We rented one special for him, and he would uh, operate. Actually, it. it's not because you're from Sierra and you own Sierra. I, this is my favorite machine when I first started. I did run it myself, and. The beauty about it is it makes the scrap beauty, you know, beautiful. It's 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 how it cut, how you know, and then how you maintain it. Um, See, so you know, listening to this, okay, every one of you has grease on your hands underneath your nails. None of you went from college, even though you're college educated, to an office. From you being a laborer working non-ferrous with your hands, you guys operating equipment and, and learning how to maintain all that. So part of your success, as I see it, is the fact that you know what's, what each piece of equipment is supposed to be doing. You know, you know, you, you take care of your, your customers, but you guys know what it takes to run the yard. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, yep. absolutely. Yep. So who's the best operator amongst all of you? Who can still operate a machine today? <clears throat> When's the last time you were in one? Uh, about a week ago. Yeah? Little Phil got out on our uh, one of our material handlers a couple weeks ago, and he was loading the 1,000-ton shear in our yard. It, it was fun to see. So we made a little video and put it out on our social media on that, so it was great. Well, and to mention some of the people not here, too. I mean, Justin of the Boers family, Justin Boers. He can operate any piece of equipment in the yard. Mm -hmm. My sister Jamie, who's our controller, has been buying scrap across our scale since she was 14. So she knows the business as well inside and out. Burke and run material handler. George, same way. Amazing on a, on a mobile share. Burke's got, Burke's got an interesting story. Okay. We don't let him on machines. <laughs> <laughs> well, Burke, because he was here, sold out, ended up in Las Vegas, opened up a New York yard, bought some equipment for, from us and then sold that yard came back over here now he's back in it so you know he he's like the the, the scene from the godfather every time i try to get out they pull me back in that's bert never gonna get I, out i don't th i don't think he'll uh he'll i think he can uh he's gonna retire in a couple months but he's he want to come every day still so. yeah that's retired yes. oh yeah his yeah. will keep ringing yeah, <laughs> that, that's what I want when I retire to come to work every day. No, that's not what I want. All right, so listen, we're in Oregon, very environmentally conscious state like California. You've got five yards. Now you guys, somebody's got to talk about the environmental regulation, 
what you're doing and how burdensome or maybe not so burdensome it is to to run your facilities yeah i would say we operate in probably one of the most stringent parts of the country and then you couple that with the rainfall that we receive stormwater and air is a huge issue out here so you know we employ a full-time environmental consultant with a team of people to handle all that for us and we keep a close eye on it because that's what you have to do to operate here so the playing field is is the same for everybody in the state and we operate with our agencies to do what we need to do. So of your five yards, how many of them are actually on a, with a river running in the back of it or? Just one. Yeah. Just, just the this, one? Just this one. It's right on yep. the Columbia Slough. Yep. Let's talk of the future. You got a lot of young, energetic men in your operation. Uh, I, I would say there's a lot of chance for growth. Now, obviously you don't want to say what, but you guys aren't satisfied being at this level, are you? No, I mean, my goal is always to become the lowest cost producer of the commodities we're producing. So we have moves to make, and we're doing a lot of things infrastructure-wise right now that will get us to that point. But we really want to focus on our region and be as efficient as, as we can be. So you listen to their ideas, mm-hmm. okay? Now the, his father, you, and, and the board, George and Bert, the patriarchs of this thing, and you listen to the kids creating their plans. What do you see? I, I see growth. Uh, and if they're going the way they are going, I think they can get this company to a uh, uh, different level. Uh, but at one day, what's enough is enough. You know, well, how, how, far, how much you want to grow. Um, it all depends to them, you know, uh, uh, for their, their own kids, if they want to be in the business. Well, these two want in. I know that. They, They're all two, in. They, these, these two, they are. But the majority of the Schnitzer uh, kids, only, you know, Greg Schnitzer still yeah. there. Uh, the rest of them, I know most of them, they, they're not interested. So that's why they, they're completely out. Well, that's one nice thing about our group is at this point, you know, Jamie's got two kids i've got three kids justin has two kids i'm sure at some point hey you gotta start manufacturing here what are you waiting for he'll be a grandpa (laughs) how old are your kids i've got a six-year-old boy about a three-year-old daughter and a six-month-old still too early to tell if they want to come into the business you know i have a 20-year-old daughter she's a junior at usc and um she's her plan she's going big and i always tell her you know the scrap industry has been great for the family uh, we've done very well, but Geo, you can go bigger. And she's, uh, you know, like she had an interview with Boeing for internship and L'Oreal, and so she, she and Google. So she's like, she she wants to go big time. She loves the big city. I don't think she's ever coming back to Bakersfield. And my 17-year-old son, nah, he's 17, so you never know. No, well, you never know, but he's a good kid, and and he always asks every single day. After school, he calls me. Dad, how you doing? Great, great. Next thing out of the, you sell a machine? Ooh. <laughs> I love when I go, hey, guess what I did today? You sell a machine? Yeah, I did. <laughs> he asked me every day, so he's always pushing me. Right. My That's kid. I, I know. Yeah. I mean, same thing. He called me at 10 o'clock, and Hank sometimes called me at 1 o'clock in the morning. Hey, we got to talk on the phone. Scrap never sleeps. Scrap yeah. never sleeps. Eat, yeah. sleep, scrap. <laughs> Neil Young, Russ never, or whatever that was. I forget that but song. One of the things I say, and you know, I don't ever forget who taught you the, the business. 
you know, like myself, you know, what I learned the business is from Schnitzer and uh, Chuck Ford, Terry Glukoft. We had so, so much fun these days. I mean, those days. And uh, same thing I tell them, you know, don't, don't forget who taught you the scrap, you know, your parents, your customers, always, always uh, remember that. Remember where you came from, I, yeah. you know, and, and that's important. Who you are. And who you are. You know, I think that's the beauty of this industry. You know, I travel all over the United States. I travel all over the world. I just came back before I came here. I was in Budapest at the BIR and talking to people in the industry, again, generational businesses. And, you know, I think we're the last great industrial generation, you know, family business. I mean, we're really industrial. Right. Okay. We are supplying. We are the suppliers to the steel mills. <coughs> To the foundries for for you know steel, aluminum, copper, stainless, and all the other recycled products, and it's still mom, pa, you know, still family businesses, but it's very industrial. I think we're one of the last, if you really think about it, small family businesses, but with an industrial output, if you would, you know, right in the beginning and the end of the manufacturing process. When you think about the amount of jobs it creates in the United States and worldwide. It's incredible. I mean, the U.S. has 150,000, 185,000 direct jobs. Right. From recycling. Yeah, it's a 70-something billion dollar industry in the United mm -hmm. States. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we have a footprint out right. there. So that leads me into ISRI. Both of you have been very active in ISRI. Yep. I was a former chair. <clears throat> we just finished a board of directors meeting. And you like being involved. Mm -hmm. on the national level. I now, do. Hank, are you just going to stay local, or do you want to get involved on national, or are you just going to let Sean do that? We're just going to keep pushing Sean out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I think, you know, I, I, was, I did the chapter presidency for the chapter, which Sean's going to be stepping into hopefully next April, and, you know, had some involvement at the national level being on the board, and it was a great experience. I also had my first child, or my wife did during that time, so I kind of made the decision while they're young, I want to be around, but I could see myself getting back involved. Well, it's been very, process. look, for me on a personal level, I loved it. I mean, I got to interview George W. Bush, a former president, forget the political party, still a former president in front of 2,000 people. And that, mm -hmm. it's a thrill that I still remember. And I got to talk with President Clinton. I got to talk to Condoleezza Rice. And I got to talk to um, a lot of people because of my involvement. Did um, I told you you look like Sean Hannity? <laughs> Well, hey, you know, I do a pretty good Bill Clinton. Some people say I look like him. <laughs> but again, I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't look like Sean Annie. All right, so probably should wrap up here. Look, I, I'd like to go around and really this has been fun and it's great. I, it, I'm so proud of both of you. And then knowing where you were and what you did and the risk you took leaving Starting with you, I want to give you the last word for this podcast. What would you like to say? What, of everything we've talked about and everything, what do you want to say? Well, oh gosh, I don't know. Um, hope things uh, get better. Uh, and I hope the, this, our industry um, back like it used to be. You know, everybody have better communication with each other and understanding. Uh, there's a lot of competition today, but is competition is good. It's good for the business, healthy. Um, 
And we 100% would like to be green, uh, and we support any any ideas out there. We, we want to help the earth. Well, I, I always say the scrap recycling industry. We are we were the original environmentalist, the original. Think yeah. about it. Everything that we have taken in over the years, if it wasn't for us, where was it going to go? Hank, last word to you. What would you like to say? I just want to say thanks to our ownership group and uh, our employees for believing in us and just want to be appreciative to everything they do every day. And also, you know, the biggest thing I've taken from working with my dad and, you know, heard a lot growing up is treat others like you want to be treated. And no matter what I'm doing, whether it's, you know, working with our employees or working with customers, that's always in the back in the front of my mind. So, Sean? I think to kind of echo both what my dad and Hank said, uh, but also to you know thank you for thinking of us. I think it means that we're doing something right, that we're on your radar, and <laughs> and you know hopefully we can continue to to do what we've done so far to continue the growth and be successful. Well, this visit today, and the conversation we had at lunch, the yard tour and everything, and knowing what you do, you guys are going to be very successful. Um, no matter what these markets are doing, even though we're kind of down right now, they all come back. They never stay down forever. We've never seen that. You guys are going to be very successful. And I think you're a lucky father to have a son like this. And I know your father has got a, is proud, and Bert and George, the same thing with their siblings here. And uh, I think I just see great things coming from PNW, and I look forward to your continued success and the friendship that we have built based on the trust and level knowing that we do what you do every day and I think it's great. Sean, stay with Isri. I think you got a future there, young man. Appreciate it. And it's a lot of fun. Well, anything else, Thank my you. friends? Thank you. And that's Appreciate it. it. This is it for this episode of Pile of Scrap. This has been a Sierra International Machinery original audio series. Thanks for listening. Please share this podcast and make sure to subscribe.